Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Talking Wednesday podcast. I'm riding Snowlow today, which is what I've probably called the podcast. I am Dex. As uh, as always, I'm here, but unlike always, I'm not joined by PunkChef41 today. We've decided to do a couple of solo episodes in this gap over Christmas, New Year, that break, just to basically ease my schedule a little bit in fairness and just give me a bit of time off just to not have full full time off because I'll be honest I'm recording this on the 29th so we are still taking time in there but just the process of the normal podcast slows down a little bit but I I am one of those people that some people don't get to take time off they can't take the time off they're still going to work and they feel a little bit lost at this time of year in terms of well I'm back at work I'm in essential employment. I mean, for example, I did a bit of work in hospitality at one point in my life. And, you know, you work all the time. Hotels don't shut. COVID was like the first time that some hotels had ever really shut. And it's, I can imagine for those people, I remember at the time, it's, it it disrupts your routine, this, you know, everybody's talking about, oh, I can't wait for the time off, things like that. Because when you grow up, obviously, you're following a term schedule with schools. And then some people are still, focused on that they're they're allowed so to speak to structure that good week between christmas and new year off every year a lot of companies do that for example so i just wanted to keep some content rolling through that even if it wasn't the normal content you get talking wednesday i wanted it to keep going in some regards so it's basically me doing a bit of a mailbag episode today i'm gonna talk through some of the stuff that was written in by our community there's a little bit of news we're gonna start the podcast off with once we've got through all the housekeeping. There's been some Christmas reviews, so we uh, we appreciate that there. But I hope you've all had a very lovely Christmas. I got a little bit ill on Boxing Day from all the uh, crap I'd eaten and drunk the night before, I'm sure. Um, but it was, uh, it was an interesting Christmas. My, uh, my sister, unfortunately, got COVID, so the whole family couldn't be together. Now she's, she's the last one of us to get COVID. We've all, we've all been through the ringer. And... Uh, I'm just awaiting my booster, so I'm thinking I record this tonight, get it out to you guys, and then if I'm feeling crap over the the next while, hopefully hand over to Jake for an episode, and it will be just a nice flow for you. I will say that this is probably going to come out on a Thursday, so it's not coming out when you would usually expect the podcast, but sometime in that gap, there's going to be a little bit of content for you. I'm also not on camera today. If you are an audio listener, this would be completely unknown to you. I guess, but I have not, I've not set up the camera. We're going old podcast style. So even for the YouTube viewers, we're getting an audio experience today. So feel free to put this on while you're playing FIFA and the likes. So today we're going to start with the reviews because Punk's not here to chat through them. But graciously, we have been left a couple of reviews. And David, I apologize. A month ago, you left a review on Podchaser. Sometimes they don't show up when we look, but I've been looking at, through different review apps that collate it. And David, yours popped up. You said about the Talking Wednesday podcast, Sheffield's very own Danger Mouse and Penfold, astute and friendly KRO from a Birmingham City fan. So we've got a lot of uh, neutrals in uh, the community, which I like to see as well. So thank you for that, David. Did pick up on it, and that was a five-star review. Obviously, we read out the five-star reviews on the podcast. The next one, it was over on Apple Podcasts. This was left on the uh, 20th of December, so a Christmas one after we asked for the Christmas ones. Appreciate it. From Footsie, who says, as in ultimate team, not actual foot, uh, says, hi, lads. Love the episodes. Keeps me sane delivering parcels all day, listening to repeats. Repeats, because I'm not American. I added that bit. Originally watched Punk's video showing his favourite clothes a few years ago and around a year ago came across Dex's channel. The podcast is immense and you bounce off each other really well. Thank you for that, mate. We we appreciate that because we just, funnily enough, until the um the anniversary episode, which we're still sort of planning, it's going to come up, come around the corner quite quickly, actually. We, we've not met. I've known of Punk for a while. I know Punk's known of me for a while. Um, because I think he found I started. I think I was one of the first, possibly the first, to do a proper, apart from Morgs actually, <laughs> uh, to do a, a Wednesday career mode. And uh, I, I met quite a lot of Wednesday fans through that, getting in touch. And it's nice to know that me and Punk started doing the post shows, and then it just naturally developed into this podcast with lockdown. It just made sense to 
he's already coming on after matches and we were chatting about what we'd just seen and that dynamic really worked with the podcast. So appreciate you saying that. You have put a question in here as well, Footsie. So you've said, if you had your own FIFA card, what position would you be? What rating and what chemistry style would you need? All the best and have a great Christmas. Thank you. I hope you had a great Christmas yourself. In terms of um, in, in terms of a FIFA card, I'd probably, I'm, I'm six foot four, just off six foot three and a, quite a bit, but I always say six foot four because why not round up, lads? Um, you, I'd probably be a striker because I'll just go to the front, chuck it at me. I ain't pressing, right? I'm doing a bit of a Ronaldo. You ain't getting me pressing. I'm just going to sit back, soak up the uh, pressure, maybe use my physicality, my waning physicality after COVID um, against the defenders and just try and get on the end of some uh, long balls through and see what we can see what we can do up front. That would be me. What rating would I be? Oh, I've got to be 99 really, haven't I? No. Um, realistically, probably a good 16, 15, maybe. That's just because I can just about walk. Maybe I'm being a bit generous there, probably about an 8. Overall rating, what chemistry style would I need? Um, they haven't actually got the chemistry style I need, mate. It'd be a miracle is the chemistry style I would need. But thank you both for leaving the reviews. If you want your reviews read on the podcast, make sure that you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, all those. There's a few more that pop up. I think you can leave them on CastBox as well. So if you use CastBox, I think I use CastBox actually for a lot of my podcasts. You can leave reviews on there as well, apparently. So a bit of news before we start the podcast today. Usually me and Jake would talk about this, but it's coming in an off, sort of off, not off season, but, you know, the time where we're not recording. But when's you actually been linked with a striker? And I wasn't going to keep this podcast topical because it was going to be a random episode. But I think it needs talking about because January is coming up. There's going to be a lot of talk in the Talking Wednesday podcast when we're obviously back and we're chatting together about new signings and things like this. But... This sign-in here um, from Football League World, sporting Gijon striker Uros Drojevic, right, there's no one here to mock my pronunciation today, is attracting attention from Barnsley, Ipswich Town, Millwall, Rotherham United and Sheffield Wednesday ahead of the January transfer window. Sources have exclusively informed Football League World. The Montenegro international has followed up his 22 goals in La Liga 2 last season with seven in 18 games for sporting this term. The striker has scored goals across Europe, featuring for sides in the Netherlands, Serbia, Italy and Greece before moving to Spain, but it is thought his physical style of play would make him a very good fit for English football. Sources of exclusive revealed... Uh, to Football League World again, that Barnsley, Ipswich, Millwall, Wednesday and Rotherham are all interested in Djurjevic, who has been offered to a number of different English clubs. Football League World understands that Sporting are keen to keep hold of the 27-year-old, whose current deal runs until 2023, but the Spanish club will find it hard to resist any reasonable offers for him. End quote. So there's a bit more in the uh, article there. However... There's a, there's a few red flags to this in terms of Wednesday's situation, but there is also some potential workarounds. The red flags would be, obviously, Barnsley are in a higher division than us. Millwall potentially a better prospect at the minute. If you're looking at where he wants to go for the football, but then you look at the stature of the clubs, Wednesday are up there, you could see it. The big problem for Wednesday is he's in contract. And this hasn't always been an issue. We've seen with George Byers. We've seen, um, I think it was just George Byers. No, there was definitely another one. But we, uh, we managed to get him on a free, even though he was under contract. And the, the thing about Byers is they've got a big sell on him and he's gone for free. And we've managed to do deals like that because Wednesday is still sort of under that soft embargo. We can't pay transfer fees for players. There's never been any real thing that came out, as far as I'm aware, if I can recall rightly, whether that's actually been imposed by the EFL or it's sort of sanctioned by Chancery to keep keep us from being in financial difficulties. Obviously, we've got a lot of turnover from being a championship club and we've not fully shed that um, wage bill, even though we have significantly reduced it. But that aside, we can't sign players. It's basically we can't sign players at the minute. And that is a big stumbling block when you are competing with clubs for a player. I do think 
from what I've seen here, we, we talk about the the unknown status of players coming in from these leagues. 22 goals in La Liga 2, 18 goals uh, with seven in 18 games this season. He can score goals. We do need a player that can probably do that for a little bit longer than Gregory can. Gregory, for me, could be our 20-goal-a-season striker this season. However, he is 33. So that is a issue bringing in a striker that's 27 that's coming up to the prime of his career and he's bagging in these goals is a positive sign. I think it's something Wednesday should be looking at. I think because he's a physical striker, that's the thing that stands out about this, his physicality. The English game is is like that, but he's also got to have the the attacking knowledge. What we need is somebody who can get in the right positions, you know, that making those runs and making that movement brilliant. You don't have to be the fastest in the world. We in the championship, a lot of it is about pace now because it's sort of becoming the Premier League. You do need your pace. But you see with older players comes that attacking movement and knowing where to stand. And we've got good delivery. Think about Barry Bannon's through balls. If we can get a player who knows where to stand, I think that would put us in in a good position, really, if we have you know an injury to Gregory or something like that. I would like to see us in for a player just to give us options. And I think we will be in for a bit of a a bit of a battle to get him, but it's good to see that Wednesday is still trying to go into the market even for players that are under contract. Now, I feel like this is a bit of a tradition. We've got to look at his FIFA card. Now, this is this is what stands out as oh, this would be a bit of a, a FIFA get for us. He'd be our first gold in quite a while since like Westwood because of Wednesday's decline. He's a seventy-five rated striker, guys. If you're a FIFA person, that's what it's about. I mean, his links are terrible, but he he would end up bringing a uh, League One link there if you had a League One team. But he'd be a gold, so he couldn't play in silvers. It'd be, I reckon, he'd get a downgrade to be fair if he came to us. But they don't usually, if the winter upgrades already happened, and I believe it has. So let's have a look at his stats. He's got 79 pace, 79 shooting, 54 passing, 71 dribbling. 31 defending and 85 physical. He would actually be very, very good. 79 pace ain't no slouch, especially when you're playing a League One side. 85 physicality. Be interesting to see the meta in that. I've not actually looked into the uh, strength and stuff like that, but 79 shooting as well is one of those things. Berahino, if you've not, if you've not watched my career mode, he is so much better on FIFA than he has been for Wednesday, and this would be a great pair if you put up. I play, um, I play a front three in FIFA when I'm doing a Wednesday career, but this guy would get into it and maybe he would be the new Berahino for many people if they did their career mode. But in real terms, it's good to see we're still in for players. There's going to be quite a battle there for him, but we need to sign, we do need to sign a striker that can get us goals that isn't Gregory because at the minute, Canberra is sort of playing as that player that can link it up and hold the ball up well. But he's, are we not really playing him as the striker, sort of a shadow striker role sometimes for him? Would uh, Dzerzhevich be that player that we can bring in if Gregory gets a knock or something? We'll see what happens. Okay, so moving into the crux of the episode now. So you guys have been writing in in Discord. Um, feel free to obviously drop me a DM. I'm not replying to DMs at the minute just because obviously I'm on break and stuff like that. So I've not even been looking at, at them really, but feel free to um, not on Facebook, so I don't check the Facebook ones, but I do check like Twitter. Um, Twitter's pretty much the one to DM us on. Or just tweet at us, what's the link, and I'll I'll drop a DM or something for the Discord if you want to be involved. Community tab is another way we've got this. The first one is from the Discord, from Dave Jones. What's your favourite Christmas song? Starting off in a True Talking Wednesday fashion here in terms of the writings. Now, this is this is a big debate in this country, really, isn't it? It's... You see, I used to like, I li- I used to like the uh, the classic bangers. I used to like the Pogues, things like that. And I don't know if it's because I and I used to like Slade. Paul McCartney's got a bit of a banger, hasn't he, for Christmas? Those those big ones. Band Aid, I've gone well off it as I've got older. Um, but I think this is really cringy, right? And uh, Soph Soph wonders this, but there's just something about the baseline in the song Christmas rapping. Uh, you know that really, it's the, is it the female pop group? I don't really know exactly, but it's kind of got that, it's the Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, you know, with all the uh, 
I believe it's I believe it's trumpets made to sound like sax or it might be sax because now I'm trying to play it in my head. But yeah, that has just got a hook to it that gets me. And I think in recent years, that's become one of my favorite Christmas songs. So uh, quite a controversial opinion out there. But Dave, I think that's where I'm going to go with it. Thank you for writing him. The next one is from Tom in the Discord says, for a Christmas theme, random one, how about you build your ideal Christmas dinner now? Now, I wanted to alter this a little bit. Actually, no, I won't. We'll, we'll go for it. So it's got to have sprouts. Usually, we go ham, gammon, but properly glazed. You've got to do it right. and You've got you to gotta soak it beforehand. Um, we go for a turkey crown nowadays rather than messing about with a whole turkey. And we sometimes have a beef joint. They're the meats. Um, I'm privy to some parsnips. I'll go for that. We usually go for sort of a Sweden carrot mix rather than the, the veg, but I do tend to cook the the ham and that in carrots and things. So there will be sort of really, really nicely sat vegetables that have been sat in that uh, broth sort of thing. So that's that's quite a nice one. You've got to get your roasts in there. I am a believer of Yorkshire puddings on a Christmas dinner, and I'm sorry. That's just the way. You have it on your Sunday dinner. You have it on your Christmas dinner. And they're a little, they're a little bit special. My friends, a butcher, we get all our stuff from him. He's got these really, uh, the bacon. You, you know what a butcher shop's like? Bacon sausages. They're all, they're all great. So we do the, we get the ind- individual sausages and the bacon, big like tomato ones, and we wrap them in the bacon. And they are just elite pigs in blankets. You make your proper ones rather than the tiny little ones. I know the tiny little ones are alright for bite size, but come on, you might as well do the, do the proper ones and that. Good gravy. Make sure that you mix. You can mix granules and the and the uh, the stuff from the turkey. The turkey. I don't want to say the word on podcast. I'm not saying that word. But you know, the uh, the leftover. Oh, I'm not saying it. The leftover remnants of the turkey. What you've cooked it in. Um, you can put in the gravy. You can do different mixes like that. And I'm I'm privy. I'm privy to a bit of that. I'm just trying to think now. I'm trying to visualize the plate in my head. I don't think I've missed anything there. Stuffing, sorry, stuffing's a big thing. You can't miss the stuffing. I really like stuffing. Um, but yeah, that's that's the way to go. And then as I've got older, probably got a bit more posh, and I've uh, developed into Christmas cheese. And that's just dangerous, completely dangerous. Right. Uh, last one of these before we start talking a bit of football, but it wouldn't be Christmas without them. David Lewis wrote in on YouTube and said, the tea review you did was good. I, li- I like that you remember it. Do you think you do? Uh, do you think you may do any more similar things? Maybe with punk? Probably not with punk, uh, but th- that's this channel. That's kind of been the what I do on this channel, stuff like that. This year has been difficult because since... I don't know, like August, I've been working quite quite heavily with the six-day weeks and that, so I've not been able to do as much silly stuff last year, like I brewed beer at Christmas and things like that. I've always thought that is how I'd want my channel to be. I'd want to do a podcast, talking about football, doing the serious stuff, but then just being able to make stupid videos that I like on my channel, because, you know, there is a core of you that really enjoy it. I'm not big enough as a channel for that to be my life but there is people that have that privilege and if i ever got that privilege it'd be amazing but i am still going to do stuff like that from time to time i'm a little bit silly in that way i like to make silly things so it would be something that i would be up for doing again no doubt about that really uh david we also have got some of your more serious questions in later but we we will go for that one for now the next so we'll go into the the wednesday talks it's the talking wednesday podcast believe it or not hoot dog writes in and goes perfect present for a wednesday fan what present should you uh wednesday ask for have they been good enough to get a present this year so there's quite a few questions in this one hoot dog perfect present for a wednesday fan now i got a really nice jacket from so she'd been on the store and they're doing i didn't even know it existed but it's not even got the crest it's just got the owl and it's like a nice little gray jacket i quite enjoyed that um i'll show it on the on the podcast at some point i'm sure but it's it's not it's not the, one of the training ones I don't think it's just an actual like hooded jacket that a, a zip a zip up hoodie basically that's just 
just good quality and it's nice to see something like that from the store i think i liked things that are a bit more sleek you know i don't really like football shirts i don't like how they sit if you are anything other than a greek adonis i don't think you can pull off a football shirt either you are really skinny and everything looks good on you and i've been there before don't get me wrong i I lost a lot of weight after uni and uh, everything looks good on you when you when you're skinny but once you sort of like you either go in a bulk or something like that, all you have to do is have a down day and a football shirt will absolutely just stitch you up. So I'd always I, I like more football related stuff that's a little bit more vague and a little bit more not in your face, you know. Oh, this is a this is a good football product. I don't look like I'm a massive child wearing my football shirt and full kit, so and so and all of that. Yeah, I like more discreet stuff and there's there's been some really nice watches in the past. Anything that's, yeah, not overtly football-related but is Wednesday-related, I really like. So uh, if we're talking about what President should Wednesday ask for, some stability, I think. That would be the thing. A lot of people are calling for Moore's head for a while. We are 12 unbeaten. But I think we definitely should just ask for some stability and um, progress, really. Have they been good enough to get a present this year? I mean, this is sounding a little bit saucier now, Hoot Dog. I'm not going to lie, you're going down that path, um, sitting on Santa's lap, that sort of thing. but. We, uh, I don't know why that would be saucy at all. Y- yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, there's been the relegation this year. So I think there could be a few reasons to, to, to not be in Santa's good graces. But in terms of the presents, Wednesday presents, let's make sure that Wednesday do make more of that, you know, not too out there stuff because it's, it's enjoyable. Hub dub. Hubert Nongram writes in, I will call you by your name, sir, because you do write in with this name, even though Hub Dub is what I'll always know you by. Says, if we get promoted, which players are staying and which would you want to see leave? And the same question again, if we don't get promoted. Right, so if we get promoted, it's time to... We don't so much need our older heads anymore. So obviously we've had issues with Hutchinson. He came back, but I think Hutchinson would be one of the first out the door. Berahino gone. I don't think we'd renew his contract. I think we'd probably show some loyalty to Gregory if he kept his goal scoring and give him another year. I don't know if he's actually got another year. Actually, he might have signed a two-year. I think he signed a one-year, though. He could sit on the bench and be that player that we bring off the bench, but we'd need to look for replacements. I'd send some players off on loan. Unless we were really going to give Fizz a go, we need to give Fizz a full loan where he's going to start because he is going to be a player. He's, but he is getting to that age where he needs game time as much as possible. I would um, definitely get rid of, shake up the keeping situation a little bit. If we bring Dawson back, probably offload Wild Smith, see if uh, anyone in the academy can step up as we're progressing through. We Our centre-back situation is pretty good. I'd probably look at um, Hunt would be on the way out, possibly, because up at that next level, I don't think he might be good for cover. But a lot of the experience with players we brought in for League One to get us back up, it's it's difficult. It's like I couldn't really see Johnson's been much better in that centre back situation, but I couldn't really see much from him in the championship if we brought him up there. It's it's a balance. I think we would keep Barry we you should keep Barry Bannon for a year. I think you should give him another year just to help stabilise it. Um just say thanks for keeping us up, mate. Uh but a lot of people I think will want to see maybe ties cut with Bannon if we went back up and let's just start afresh, let's bring that new one up. But you need your leadership. If he's just been a captain to promotion, unless someone like Dunkley really, really takes the baton for the rest of the season, you need to keep hold of your captain. You need to keep that influence in the dressing room, really. it's There would be quite a few that went if we got promoted and I think we'd, we'd see leave. I, I was quite surprised the season, you know, Fletcher and that lot left, how many we let go. It's... It's been a thing with Wednesday. We have let players go where you think, oh, he could have... Gary Hooper is a shining example of that with injury records and Kieran Lee. And you look at them and you go, why have we let that many go? We could, they, could, they could get into this squad now. And Sam Hutchinson was a player we let go and he's obviously come back for us. It, it does happen with Wednesday, but we'd probably, we'd probably offload some of our... Like Shadipa would probably go back a lot of our, loan, I'd say all our loan players would probably go back, but you you might if Bailey Peacock Farrell keeps going and Dawson needs another year on loan, 
bring him back in. If Corbinu can take the step up, that would probably be an ideal player to bring back. But we we definitely need more championship experience in the squad and younger players and and we would need to improve if we got back up to the championship. But I couldn't see a massive fire sale at Wednesday, but I would see you would see some of the people that we've brought in to sort of steady the ship this season and fire us back up there. You could see them leaving. We've brought in some good eggs though, you know, like good balance says like I think Hunt was a great move because he knows the club, he knows what it's about and the older players you can see we need to bring in a replacement for Lee Gregory, but he's the he's a he's a good signing for this season, especially he's been he's been great for us. Adoniran's a player that wouldn't be going anywhere. Adoniran's a player I'd like to see take a step up if we got promoted into the uh, championship. So there is a lot of that, and you ask the same question again if we don't get promoted. That's fairly similar, but there's players like. Maybe you try again with um, you get rid of Johnson or you get rid of you. St- you probably still get rid of the same players, if I'm honest. You keep, but you don't send like Fizz out on loan and stuff like that. You you get rid of the same players because they were intended for a season. I think when you look at it that way, and if we don't get promoted, it means those players haven't worked in a situ- in a situation. They've not gelled quite in there. I do think you wouldn't have the likes of. You'd send quite a few of the lone players back and definitely keep hold of Corbs and stuff like that if you can. But the problem is, if we don't get promoted this season and players want to step up and Wolves, say, want Corbs to try a different level, um, that's going to be more difficult for us, even though I do think he still needs to find his consistency in League One. That is a, a big thing for him. I, but I also don't think we'd potentially need to bring Bailey Peacock-Farrell back because League One would actually be... It might be the the dawn of Cameron Dawson in a weird way because if we didn't get promoted him coming back on low uh, coming back from loan this would be his chance to become the Wednesday number one and get us a promotion which would be great considering he obviously was our keeper when we got relegated and there was a lot of chopping and changing there and I don't think our keepers have been managed very well you know we've had a great keeper in Kieran Westwood and the ones coming under him They've not had enough game time, so it is good to see our keepers going out and getting that now. Thanks for writing in, Hubdub. So, next one is another one from David Lewis, a more football-related question. I don't know if it's a question, it's more of a statement, but I'm going to comment on it. So, David Lewis wrote in and said, I noticed that you said about the players in the Pizza Cup, you said it was a chance for the players who didn't get played to shine. You said they didn't, which proves they are not good enough. However, if... A loss, I think it's meant lots of players, hadn't played in competitive games. It's hard to judge them in one game, especially with the other inexperienced players around them. I get what you're saying here, David, because you're saying they've only had one game at a competitive level, but it was against Hartlepool. And I'm not taking anything away against Hartlepool, but these players are the players that are knocking on the door for League One level. They want to be in a, in a side that has got ambitions to get promoted, an automatic promotion, right? That was the ambition for Wednesday this season. That's what all they were saying. They were saying they wanted to win the league, right? If they can't come in and put a shift in against Hartlepool in the Pizza Cup and they get battered 3-0 and the heads drop, it's a bit embarrassing, really. So I think that is maybe not in terms of actually seeing what they can do because there were players that came on in that game Bannon came on in that game you know play the players that didn't give up the players that Corb Corbin who played obviously and you saw players that put a shift in that deserved to be in the place but there was players that thought oh we're getting a try in this and they messed up in the pizza cup right it was their attitude more than anything of like oh we really want to play we're knocking on the gaffer's door and we aren't going to put a full shift in because it was more about they didn't really put a shift in against Hartlepool it was like, oh, do we really even need to be in this competition? We're playing in the Papa John's Trophy, for Christ's sake. And for me, they didn't, they didn't perform to the level that Sheffield Wednesday tolerate or accept and got, got knocked out, you know? And that was more my statement on that. I thought that they can't come round and be banging on Darren Moore's door going, you need to play me, gaffer. And then perform like that when they got the opportunity David so that that was more my stance on that one 
The uh, next question is from S Billard One, who says, "If you download the latest updates on FIFA 22 kickoff mode, Bannon has become a 75 rated. Uh, Bailey Peacock Farrell has become 74, but Big P has been degraded to a 64. What do you think about that? Keep up the good work and have a happy new year. We're all Wednesday, aren't we? Do you know what? I've noticed this because I was playing some kickoff when I went to my friends uh, around Christmas." Banning is up to 75 again. I was like, what's going on here? Bailey Peacock, Farrell, 74, as you said. I did wonder what they'd done to Patterson. I'm actually going to see now if they've updated the Wednesday team because usually we get the winter update around now. So I'm just going just gonna to have a quick look if we've got a full list of the of the players that have had their upgrade. So Bannon for me was the one that he needed to have that level up because 75 also would make him a gold. Now they don't often change all of the teams. So they don't always change like League One teams. It's not a given that you're going to get Bannon having a gold card, but 75 should mean we've got a gold player again. But unfortunately... It doesn't. It doesn't actually happen like that. Let me uh, find this database. There we go. So Sheffield Wednesday. That looks like. Yeah. No. That's not an update. See, this is the thing. I might have to go in game to check this out because currently it sits with the same ratings. Bannon on seventy three. Bailey Peacock for all on sixty eight. But it should. It should actually say our update because this is December twentieth. 2021 maybe they've not updated it maybe they've they've even put the the form in since this right i hope you appreciate the lengths this took because we were staying with so's family and uh my xbox wasn't set up back in this this space so i've had to set it up because nowhere online bothers to update league one so to answer this question properly i've just had to set up quite quite a bit of faff to see the ratings, but I will tell you the improved ratings. So Lee Gregory has gone up to 69 overall, which is, uh, you'd, you'd say is nice if you were me or anybody else on the internet because he was 67 overall. Canberry has stayed at 67 overall. I think he should have had a bit of an upgrade, really. Wing has gone up to 69 from 67. Not sure I see that one. Bannon's obviously gone 75 from 73. Adoniran has stayed at 65, probably fair, but he has been solid for us. Hunt's had an upgrade. They've given him back to his 70. They've put his pace up to 74, and he's at 70 from 67 overall, so they've sort of removed his downgrade in a way. Iorfa's stayed at 70. He's quality as well if you've got him on uh, ultimate. Then again, I think he's had a downgrade from the start. I think he's 72, wasn't he? I've got him on Ultimate Team. This is from uh, when it was last updated. This is the the upgrade over Christmas, current form. Dunkley's 68 still. Palmer's gone up to 70, so they did Palmer a bit dirty. He was on 67. He's gone back up to 70. And Peacock Farrell, as you say, from 68 to 74. That's quite, that's quite the jump there. We look at the bench. If we go on to the bench... We've got Patterson down to 64. Everyone else has pretty much stayed the same. Apart from Kieran Brennan, who's gone up to 61. Now, Kieran Brennan is an interesting one because he's got no face. And he uh, he was only 58 rated. So gone up there to 61 overall. Berahino, 67. Not the best for the, the rest of the Wednesday squad, really. But to see Bannon in that. Corbin, who's 64 as well, you know, to see them get some decent ratings mid-game, it's hopeful that there'll be a, an upgrade to Ultimate Team. Oh, we just want an inform. I'm, wait, I'm actually playing this Ultimate Team a little bit more. I'm probably going to do my first foot champion soon because I don't really play it. I don't much get much time at the weekend, but because we're taking this time, I'm, I'll, I'll delve in because I'm, I've got quite good online. I'm all right. I can score the odd goal. So I think I might jump back in there. But yeah, from a Wednesday perspective, it's good to see. And to answer your question there, I had to do a lot of faff. So I hope you appreciate it. But it's it's uh, the season, isn't it? So why not? Thank you, S. Billard. 
So Maple Leaf writes a couple of times in on the Discord. First to Dex and Jake. I think he wants this for a future podcast, but I'm doing it now. He says, I've been thinking about the future of officiating in football. In the United States, we have a shortage of referees for children's sports due to abuse by parents and players. In some places, entire groups of referees have walked out, leaving leagues with no officials. It would seem here that the concept of respect and appreciation for those that give their time to support athletics is waning. It is, though, it is through these lower levels that our future referees are groomed, and so one can expect that the future of quality of referees will diminish across all sports. Do you see the same phenomenon in the UK? If not, is it just a matter of time, or is the culture there different enough to not lead out the same result? If yes, are you equally worried, and why do you th- and do you think there is anything that can be done about it? My friend Maple Leaf in the UK, refs have always been abused quite heavily. Um, even at you know the, those grassroots level, even kids football, parents will belt the referees all the time because there's a in football and arts I've done both right football and the arts the uh, pushy parents are out there they are out there they exist they are living their full life through their children in a lot of ways it's becoming less common but it's still very prevalent parenting's uh, probably getting better in a lot of aspects of that however I was quite lucky in the fact that I didn't really have the the pushiness, you know. The sometimes that's really good, you know. I think there's there's got to be a certain level of push from parenting for for kids to actually develop a skill because kids will sit and do nothing. You need to give them leisure time. This is this is going on a tangent. We need to give them leisure time with building skills up because in this in this world. You don't just need one special. You either need to be really good at something and be a master of something and have that specialism, but you need a f- you need a few more reserves there. So kids need to be more switched on nowadays to keep up, pretty much. So that is quite important. But living your own life through your kids and you will be this and you will do this football and I will batter these referees on the side. That is a big thing in uh, in the English game as well. And I think you I think you're right in an extent with the walkouts and stuff. That is probably more of an American thing because there's there's a lot more banter here in terms of, and I don't always think it's a great thing, you know. Um, not everything has to be banter. There's there's one thing I hate so much in foot in football sort of Twitter and that is everything is there to be a joke and a ratio and a and a battering with people and nothing can be serious and nothing nobody can put their stuff out there without somebody having a take on it and it being. Being there for comedy, I mean, everybody should have an opinion, but it's not. It's always sort of like the big scale of it is is appeasing the lowest common denominator and getting the cheap laughs. And there's always that side of it. And I think, I think that side of banter's banter's not brilliant in the football sphere. So it's not surprising to see it <laughs> when you when you come from sort of like the grassroots level of referees. They're the people that get the abuse, you know, because they are the people that are controlling the game. And if you've got kids and you don't agree with the decision against your kid, you're going to batter that referee a little bit. And no, it's not great. It's not great in the slightest, but it is what happens, unfortunately. I think I'm not too worried about it in this country because I think in terms of refereeing, you've got to, you know you've got to have a thick skin walking into it. It doesn't make it right. And there's some referees also that get like, you know, a lot of places of people with power will abuse that power and they'll, they'll, they'll run amok with it. And uh, there's some referees that are very like that, but there's also some brilliant referees. What I do like in this country is seeing more female referees come through. That is something the States are pretty good at, bringing, uh, bringing women into the world. They are the sort of masters of the women's game, really, and England are getting really good at that now, and it's good to see. But we're seeing female referees come in there. Um, I will say we still need to do more. We definitely need to do more um, with the... The, the what annoys me about you know the reaction of men to some female officials is the uh oh they they go out their way and i get they're trying but they go out their way to say sort of like oh well you wouldn't have even noticed she'd she, she'd had a great get you know you wouldn't even notice she, she was a woman really because she's had a great game but when people say that i'm like yeah i know but you you'd be the first to say not always, but a lot of people would be the first to say, oh, she's a woman, she doesn't know anything about football with all that, you know, if uh, 
she, she made a call you disagreed with and things like that. And I think we just need to take that out. It doesn't matter the gender of the officials. That's going to take a little bit more time in, uh, in the uh, English game, I think, because there is, unfortunately, there is a lot of that, that in it. And I think it needs to, to filter, filter out. But I do love to see more women involved with the, you know, the men's game because it's not, it might be the men's team, but it's not, it's not a game that belongs to the men. You know, it's not a game that, oh yeah, it may, it may have done at one time. A lot of things were men's clubs, but let's be honest, it's not the 1940s anymore and we shouldn't see football as that. That's not, it might be our personal thing. You know, we might go with our male mates, but football's inclusive and it should be inclusive and that's what football's all about. And I think I've seen that in referees, you know, bringing that in there. And I, I know that's, again, deviating from it but i think i i sort of span that there maple leaf because that's more of the bigger thing that we're seeing in the uh the english game and you're talking about worries there i'm talking more about we we need to get that sort of equality in our game in that in that respect and i like to see what's happening in terms of the officiating here unfortunately it's no new case of uh refs getting battered even at low levels in the uk it might be a fairly new thing to america and i see you i know you've talked about that um talking about the shortage in children's sports. There's never really a, that such of a thing. Football's everything here. Football's a part of American sport. And I think that's the big difference here. So we've already kind of like, people will do it even though they know they're going to get battered here. It doesn't make it right, but it's, it's the way. Uh, Maple Leaf also writes and says, Dex, what, why do you think Chancery bought Sheffield Wednesday? Was it an investment, boredom? boredom? even, and wanted to, something to occupy his time. Some strange love of English football or something else entirely. And given where things stand now, do you think he regrets owning this team? If I were him, an impossible task really, too many cultural and financial differences, I'd be wondering if all these headaches, m- monetary loss, fan discontent, lockdowns, are worth it. Thanks for writing in about that, Maple Leaf. I've talked about Transiria. Me and Punk have talked about Transiria at length. I think he bought it as a as a as a lot of owners do as a bit of a project and a toy and something he talked a lot about getting his son involved in it being a family business you know and bringing it through and having the heart of it the one thing i will never bash chancery on is he he became a fan and he became a fan of sheffield wednesday he's not a fan in the same way we are but he got his family involved in it and he he really he really took to that side of it I don't think he'd say, I don't think he'd say, why do I bother? Probably a bit when his family were getting the levels of abuse, but that's just football. He didn't know what he was walking into on the business side, but that is just football. You know, you are going to get ups and downs. You are going to get relegations, promotions, and he really went for it with this club. In terms of does he think it's worth it now? I think if you look at how he's trying to sustain us out and the way he's talking, he still doesn't seem like he's going to be walking away. So I think he does see us as that club that can maybe go on and get promoted again and then and then move forward. There's, there was obviously the, the season ticket early bird thing recently, which is a bit of a misstep, and there is still some weird things in there. But I think... I think in terms of why he wanted the club, it was like a family investment and, you know, something to do with his kids and he wanted to hand it off to him. He wanted a legacy. I think I think Chancery is a legacy man and he wanted Sheffield Wednesday to become part of his legacy. Now, that doesn't always translate well with a fan base that, let's be honest, it's our legacy. It will never be an owner that was not a child, a fan of that club since birth. It will never be their legacy more than every single aspect of our legacy and our families and uh just because you invest a lot into it means yes you are equally a fan and i will say it doesn't matter how long you've been supporting the club you are a fan you are deserved to be treated equally however there will be that sort of deep down sense of hmm i'm not better than you because i've supported the club forever do you know what i mean for my life because that's just not the way life works especially in a modern world but you should significantly listen to the people who the club have been has been everything for for their for their lives you know and you've got the the time with Sheffield Wednesday football club that's the big thing there and i think that is possibly what he didn't expect fully when he was walking into it the it's very difficult with our fan base as well you know our fan base is uh 
it's very divided. There's it's there's some great there's a great mix of people in it, but with that great mix of people, you do get some people that just want to have a pop at other people, even in the own fa- even in the own fan base, you know. And it's I don't understand it. I've never really got it. It's I've never really understood just having a pop for the sake of having a pop anyway. But that will show to an owner of a football club, and you saw it with the abuse. I just I do think it it comes down to legacy with Chancery, really. You know, it's quite um. It's quite fun and different just, just reeling this off on my own. I've not done a podcast. I do a lot of videos, um, obviously, on the channel, but just chatting to you guys, it's interesting. Maybe uh, if we we do something like this for the members once every so often, if the members wanted it, we could do a load of members' writings and have a proper like one-on-one occasionally. would like to see some more memberships, though, so if you could go over to YouTube and join the members' uh, tab supporters that way, that would be awesome. Right, so I'm going to answer this because I do try to respect a lot of views on it. But And, and to be fair, it's asked in a very respectful way. It's from our Discord. Alex Lee 44 says, What are your thoughts on the clubs potentially using COVID as an excuse uh, to call off games? And should they be forced to play either way? Controversial uh, subject there, obviously. I uh, I don't think that's the reason. Now, I put a tweet the other day saying it's a bit tone deaf to me, the likes of Klopp moaning about fixture congestion. A lot of these German coaches going, I don't understand why we've got all of this in the Premier League, blah, blah, blah. That's tone deaf. They're in La Fortune. It's history in this club. They're talking about player welfare. If you're talking about that, that's a separate issue for me, fitness, that sort of thing. Suck it up and get on with it, in my opinion. COVID is a different kettle of fish. You know, um, the extra su- that's the thing people are combining it. The extra subs are nothing to do really with COVID. The extra subs are more to do with the fatigue and the bigger squad. I know we had five subs during COVID, and I guess that would make sense if you need to. No, not really. Not really. If you've got less players for me, you probably don't need the more subs. That, for me, is more of a fixture congestion issue, and that's why we had the four subs, actually, eight, five subs, actually, because the fixtures, do you remember, they were a lot closer together, so they needed to be a lot more on-the-spot squad rotation when we had, to, we had that backlog of games we needed to play through lockdown. If a club is isolating for COVID. It's not an excuse, right? And you, I've had COVID. Family have had COVID. Um, not everybody has had COVID. Some people have been very fortunate in that regard, but I do know a lot of people with COVID now. Some people have got the Omicron, you know. So the Omicron I've heard is not, is not hitting people as hard as, well, I think I had Delta or whatever it is, all sorts of that. But um, it's, it's not an excuse. It's a legitimate thing. I've seen a lot of crap recently saying if you've got um if you've got one player having covid in in the camp and they should just you know just get on with it and do that if, if you've got no not one player sorry if you've got like eight or so players out they need to come and play anyway no they don't really that's that's acceptable you know you don't just suck it up and get on with it you you sort it out and you try and follow the self isolation because trust me as somebody who's had it it will go your, vi- your viral load of COVID does go within the isolation period. And you can tell if your lateral flow every day because it'll pick it up and pick it up and pick it up. And I know it's very difficult for people to believe this because they go, oh, it's all that's, you know, some people just deny science, which I don't get in itself. But if you watch it when you've got COVID and you take lateral flows every day, you will see you go from a positive test to a negative test because the because because lateral flows are very much they pick up on quite a lot of the um the 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 level of viral load basically you've got and how infectious you are and that's why it's good for asymptomatic people not not as good as i think it's people say because you can still have it and get a negative on lateral flow but when you are really really infectious it shows it well and as you become less infectious lateral flows are a little bit more meaningful and then the pcrs become a big part of it. I think they're doing the right thing with COVID. I think people are combining these issues of Premier League moaning with fixture congestion a little bit too much here. So I, th- I do think, mate, in, in, in all honesty, COVID is a valid excuse to postpone games. It's something that we're having to deal with now. Um, I do think as more people are vaccinated and boosted, I do think it's a case of, right, that player's got COVID. It's still a little bit too infectious at the minute. Remember, it's not about the players being healthy and all just get on with it and play with COVID. Those players have got... You spread it around a squad. They've got to go home to their families. It's the chain events that get overlooked, right? 
And it's the people on the fringes that are the most vulnerable that we don't think about. Because, right, I fully understand when people go, oh, well, they're all healthy. They'll all survive it anyway. Yes, probably. Right? A few of them might not. A few of them might have underlying issues that they don't know about, underlying heart conditions, things like that, stuff that will not go well with COVID. But most of them, fit and healthy, they'll be absolutely fine, right? They'll feel a bit crap for a while and they'll be absolutely fine. But say they've got a family member, they're, they're asymptomatic COVID, right? And they go and see their grandparents and they give them COVID. That's the big thing, you know? And I think I'm going to crack down on the COVID talk a little bit. If, could we try to try to keep it out of the Discord with the... If it is not about that. Right, we don't want that sort of chat. I'm all I'm all for opinions, and this was a topic, so I spoke about it as a topic. And I think you were perfectly w- w- well within your rights to write in about it, Alex Lee, because it's a very good question. But I think we just need to separate COVID postponements from fixture congestions postponements, because that's it, that you know it's Christmas when a German manager in the Premier League starts moaning about English football over Christmas and the rest games and needing to use the squad. These people that have got under 23s that play in the pizza cup, the same level as Wednesday. And they're moaning about not having big enough squads. Chelsea, you've got about 40 odd players out on loan who are moaning about fixture congestion. Just get a grip. That's a completely different kettle of fish. In my opinion. But yes, I think that's going to be it for this week's talking Wednesday. Um, I hope you've all had a very lovely Christmas and you are looking forward to the new year and you can do it right. I'm not one of those that really drinks that much on New Year. I probably will drink, but I don't drink to excess because once you uh, you wake up hungover a few too many times on New Year's, it takes the shine off a brand new year if you wake up. I know a lot of people used to say you sort of wake up on your arse and it's all up from here. And if you are living that life, fair play to you. And I hope you have a lovely new year. But uh, I am going to try and wake up brighter on New Year's and uh, and see how it all goes. But yes. It's been great to chat to you all. There wasn't a halt on the write-ins, but I think we've had some good write-ins there. And make sure you are active in the community, sending us emails, doing that sort of thing. So when we do these episodes and we need, you know, topics to talk about, we've got topics there that we can discuss. And they're not always time-relevant because time-relevant topics are quite difficult because you ask something, we can't always save it, and then it doesn't really work if we're putting an episode out or order, that sort of thing. So. Thank you for the people that did write in. It was uh, it was good to read it and, and chat to you all. But yeah, take care. Have a lovely new year. And I'll see you in the next episode. Maybe not, actually. It might be Jake. But somebody will see you in the next episode of Talking Wednesday. <laughs>